welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. I'm Chris. And this week, we're going to be looking at Star Wars through the theme of class. Mm-hmm. So before we really get into this episode, we wanted to give context to our own background in, in regard to class and our experience. So why don't you start us off, Chris? Okay, sure. So I come, I I was privileged enough to be born um, and raised in a suburb here in Los Angeles and at the heights of my family's success, kind of be much more middle, upper middle class kind of situation. Um, We were pretty hit pretty hard by the recession. And so that actually had a lot of intense effects. So my younger siblings had a very different experience than I had growing up because they had to deal with with the financial effects of that, which hit our family pretty hard. Um, And then more lately, I, you know, I work as an educator and so I'm certainly not an upper class. They don't make a lot of money? Uh, definitely not. No, that's not a thing that happens. So, um, and I'm still going to school for that and, and working part time. Um, so right now, that's definitely how my my economic status works. Um, and that's the, the kind of background that I come from. So, Yeah, so for me, I also grew up in a suburb, and my family was in a middle-class situation. We had a lot of opportunities, didn't really have anything that we wanted to do that we couldn't do, like I did gymnastics when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And um, yeah, then after college, once (laughs) I was on my own doing things, I definitely have gone kind of backwards uh, on the, the the social class when it comes to economics uh, and I work part-time now and um, yeah that is my situation but most of my formative years were were from a position of privilege mm-hmm. so though these are our two positions that we're we're engaging this conversation from exactly yeah and so we I think it's important to contextualize that so that mm-hmm. you know it's seen what our how our experiences are affecting our biases and, and the ways that we talk about these, um, which I think that we we try to challenge each other on, um, mm-hmm. and of course we welcome any challenge from our listeners. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that will will almost certainly skew our perspectives on this, and and of course our status as Americans also skews our perspective. You know, when we look yeah. at class, we're really mostly looking at it as an economic. Thing, you know, whereas if you're coming from, you know, the UK or, or Europe or India in another completely different way, like class can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different cultures. And so for us, it tends to mean a wholly economic kind of thing. Yeah. So that's just where, where our analysis will be coming from. Yeah. And so now let's move on to our quote. Okay. And it's said by Rose Tico, who's awesome, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's in The Last Jedi where they got to Canto Bite and Finn is asking her why she has such a big problem with the place. My sister and I grew up in a poor mining system. The First Order stripped our ore to finance its military, then shelled us to test their weapons. They took everything we had. And who do you think these people are? There's only one business in the galaxy that'll get you this rich. Indeed. Yeah. This was a very interesting theme because before episode eight, there wasn't a ton of class in it. Um, I think both of us like offline were kind of talking about how mm-hmm. we kind of had to look for it in Star Wars in some ways mm-hmm. that, you know, I think race and gender wouldn't be as as difficult to look for. Mm-hmm. But class, I think, in Star Wars isn't tackled as much. Um, but I think that this definitely was... Um, a place where 
where we could very clearly see it, it being done, as we kind of talked about five weeks ago when we were doing the last time we were doing Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not only just seen uh, in a plot point or, or whatnot or in a character, but here it's seen as in the experience of a character and how that experience affected what she thinks mm-hmm. and how she feels about certain places, which, yeah, I don't think we've really seen before in Star Wars. Definitely the movies, not. When, yeah. when it comes to, like, economics and things like that, I think yeah. that that's not really something that you see um, before this. And so uh, because we talked so much about Rose last time um, and kind of mm-hmm. this element there, we thought that opening with this as a quote would be a good, kind of good way to prime it, but then hopefully we can start going in other directions as we go through. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Well, would you like to start us off with a character? I would. And... This isn't a character that I usually talk about a ton because, well, for obvious reasons, Anakin Skywalker. Oh, him. (laughs) (laughs) He, Darth Vader, I always, even as a child, loved, Mm -hmm. and obviously he's evil and all of that, but is super cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, like, intimidating. Anakin, on the other hand, you know, obviously... There's just a lot of problems <laughs> with character, dialogue, character development, mm-hmm. and everything. But I think something that is interesting is not necessarily, like, not talking about the performance or anything <laughs> of the actors. What but performance? Just, <laughs> but just, like, the actual concepts of class in him mm. as he changes over time. And something that I found interesting, which I hadn't ever thought about before, is the fact that as he changes class and as he goes up the social status in class, he gets more pre- more preoccupied with gaining and maintaining power. Mm. And so you see, obviously, as a child, he and his mom were slaves. Mm -hmm. And so at the very bottom um, of the social structure Mm -hmm. in in terms of class. And then he gets into the Jedi Order, where he's, he's going up. He's not a Jedi Master yet, but he's going up in that. And then... In if you've watched Clone Wars, he it actually deals with it a little bit more. Mm. Where when he goes to a planet and they are doing slave trading, he gets super upset about it. Mm-hmm. And so you actually get to see a little bit of his past come into what he thinks and what he wants to do about it. But then obviously, once he transitions into Darth Vader, um, at that point, he's at the top of the galaxy mm-hmm. um, and and has finally ended in that really high position of mm-hmm. class. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely see, see, especially in regards to his kind of journey up there um, as, as that. I wonder kind of how that parallels to ideas that... Um, you know, the pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mentality of, of m- mm-hmm. moving classes in America, um, you know, but the people who do that tend to be um, oftentimes lucky or mm-hmm. exceptional, um, you know, and... Well, and he was that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. he, he had that. And so we're, you know, we don't see too much of, of other um, other kind of relations with slavery there other than Shmi being bought by Owen Lars and then mm-hmm. or, or Owen's father and then mm-hmm. 
him freeing her and marrying her, you know, which yeah. might be another kind of luck or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we could go into other ways of that because that also <laughs> could be is, very problematic. Yes. Yeah, super, <laughs> super bad. Uh, yeah, but, for sure. but yeah, I think that's, that's a very interesting character to look at. When well, and, class. and he never would have gotten out of that situation mm-hmm. had they not gone to like had to repair part of their ship right and well and had he not had jedi powers you know like if he didn't have Mm -hmm. a place for him that he was automatically accepted to for these special Mm -hmm. reasons um where you know would he be able to to escape that that slavery that same way yeah and very probably not Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah interesting yeah yeah yeah. yeah. But also I think it's interesting in the sense of there are some people who make it out of the poverty or different negative circumstances that they came from. And some people go back mm-hmm. there and do things to invest in that community to help others hmm. be able to have opportunities too. And others just never look back and they become the very people who are pressing where they came from. Right. And here, I mean, that is Darth Vader. Yeah. That's what he did. Absolutely. And he, he certainly leaned into it, but I, I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You know, so many people, you know, not everyone, obviously, yeah. um, but many people, I think when the system works for them, even though it's oppressive uh, system, systematically to, you know, maybe people, they're part of that community. Mm-hmm. Um they can often become sound pieces for, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with the system. Look, I did this, you mm-hmm. know, and that just reinforces those oppressive systems. And so they do kind of become a player within that. Um, mm-hmm. He not only becomes a spokesperson, but, yeah, he is violently oppressing people, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So what is your plot point? So my plot point is actually going to be a spoiler for (gasps) Solo, a Star Wars story. So if you haven't seen Solo yet, then uh, you can skip ahead. But we definitely, uh, we we saw it yesterday, actually. And um, I, when we were prepping for this, actually kind of came to me in a way because near the end of the film, when the Cloud Riders kind of reveal themselves and we really meet Enfy's nest and who she is and what her uh, ideology is. Mm -hmm. And we see how these people who are making up what apparently will become a rebellion or resistance, you know, Mm -hmm. at this point, it's not really about uh, independence movements. It's not about even struggling directly against the empire. It's kind of more about resisting um, exploited exploitation in general. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is actually taken, they take up arms against the uh, smugglers and the crime syndicates in the galaxy because they are as oppressive as the Empire in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I thought it was very interesting because uh, Envy's Nest talks about how, you know, she tells the story of the people on that planet who... They're living their lives until the Empire or the crime syndicates found out there are resources there that could be useful. And so that they then they were exploited for that resource. And when they rose up, they had their tongues taken out. They could not even speak, you know, taking mm-hmm. away even the opportunity to speak out um, mm-hmm. literally, um, I think is very, very symbolic of kind of what they how they're treated in 
like as a class, you know, they are mm-hmm. literally inhuman and dehumanized because they are unable to have the humanity in being able to communicate. And um, I think that the Cloud Riders kind of beginning that rebellion through the insult and the persecution and the oppression that is actually tied to um, resources and to using people for um, for the resources that they live on, mm-hmm. you know, um, is so tied, I think, to kind of global class systems that we see today where sure. the global north will exploit through economic means people around the world and countries around the world and the resources around the world in order to get an iPhone, in order to get cheap clothes, in order to get, you know, whatever they want for themselves. And the people in those areas are in many ways silenced and are in many ways not allowed to, to really gain human rights or to gain human dignity because of these oppressive systems that are put upon them. Yeah, if they speak out, they will be punished in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, oh, well, you want actual, like, a living wage instead of paid a couple pennies for your hour, then we'll fire you and find someone else. So now you have nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, yeah. Yeah. But not to say that about your comment from before, not to say that the ability to communicate is, like, makes people human. Of course not. Right. Um, but to to be able to, and from you rising up and saying no more, mm-hmm. and then the retaliation is to take your voice away. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for, for, for noting that. Um, because certainly there's many people who are inaudible for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Who, that does not mean that they lack humanity yeah. um, in that way. But I, I meant it more as a kind of, um, your voice is so unimportant to me that that I am deeming you unneeding of that voice. Mm-hmm. I will continue to exploit you for your resources and make you a labor source for me. Mm-hmm. But you are simply a tool because I don't even... Like, I'm taking away your ability to communicate mm-hmm. because, uh, in this way at least, you know, because there's, of course, other ways of communication. Because yeah. it's but, like, obviously you don't have the uh, weapons or, like, that sort of power to be able to say no. Mm-hmm. You don't have the um, allies in a way where you have enough clout to be able to say no. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to take away the only way that you can still say no. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But I was glad that they put that in the movie. Because I was too. I think that, that... I think it's really interesting. If they're going to put in something about kind of the rise of the rebellion, mm-hmm. especially in a movie about Han, I mm-hmm. think that that's actually the best way they could do it. Um, For sure. Because I like that it's not just the rebellion came from the top of, you know, the Bail Organas who mm-hmm. wanted to go back to the Old Republic, you know, for these political ideologies that he believed mm-hmm. in, which I, I mean, I tend to agree with democracy is pretty good definitely better than a dictatorship absolutely (laughs) but um but in some ways i mean i'm sure those people were not treated well under the republic either you know there's still gonna be class systems that allow people to be enslaved like anakin and his family you know Mm -hmm. so um yeah looking at it as a top-down only kind of thing i think Mm -hmm. uh in, in a way also silences the actual experiences of those who are mostly suffering because Bail Organa maybe you know he's got great ideologies and he he wants to bring back a more uh 
fair or just system, but it's only mm-hmm. fair and just to some people, you know? Yeah. He's going to be comfortable no matter what until Alderaan's blown up, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... Spoiler. Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> but, um... And, but I also kind of wonder when did he get involved in the rebellion? At what point? Like, were there already these kind of ragtag teams of people who were doing local things, smaller things, like to try and fight back against this system? And mm-hmm. then he was like, yeah, we should do something. Because I imagine that he wasn't super uncomfortable under the Empire. Right. Um... Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, and maybe maybe he wasn't. Maybe he did as soon as the Empire rose. He wanted to do something against it, but... Uh, which, obviously, that's super important. But it is really cool to see maybe the beginnings of something be mm. involved with, yeah, people who were exploited for um, the building of a, of a system. Yeah, and... and- I think that that's the thing is because they can both be beginnings because I imagine mm-hmm. and from what I believe I understand in the extended new canon that like he was back end resisting for quite some time mm-hmm. um, and that like he definitely helped reb- like small bands of rebels when he could mm-hmm. um, but and even like uh, I, I read the Ahsoka book and in that mm-hmm. um, it talks about how he's kind of um, pretty shortly after the fall of the Republic, he's already kind of keeping an eye out to help Jedi and to assist mm-hmm. people who are kind of doing things in ways that he can with, well, with his public profile and things like that. So, mm-hmm. But while he can maintain those larger strategies and maybe help build fleets or build whatever it might be, mm-hmm. you know, the movement of people who are actually going to fight back against the Empire is going to come more from people like the Cloud Riders, you know? Like, look, mm-hmm. look at the uh the kids at the end of last jedi you know they're influenced by rose more than they're influenced you know and then Mm -hmm. the legend of luke skywalker for sure Mm -hmm. but like they have these influences that aren't you know a general coming in and saying i believe in in doing this thing you know i think that that's also important but again I, i i i wanted to bring this up because i think that it's a really good new perspective that solo had that Mm -hmm. i think star wars was in some ways lacking beforehand for sure yeah that's really interesting yeah all right so to our compelling questions our compelling questions okay so my compelling question is what class or classes do you think the empire and forced uh first order recruit from for its stormtroopers because to me there's all of these other types of jobs, right? Mm. Not And then there's the stormtroopers. And the stormtroopers are the ones who are going to get killed first. The stormtroopers are the ones that seem to have malfunctioning guns sometimes mm-hmm. with their aim or they're not trained, you know, whatever it is. And so, yeah, what is what are your thoughts? Well, I think that especially if you go to the original trilogy, um, there can be a lot to be said about the fact that the... Uh, anyone in an imperial uniform, so like mm-hmm. anyone who's an officer, has a British accent, whereas <laughs> the stormtroopers do not. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a telling sign because a lot of times we see, you know, aristocracy as something that's kind of a, you know, accented kind of thing. And it's always British. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and we see that even in 
those are the ones who you can see their faces like they have personality you mm-hmm. know in ways that that stormtroopers tend not to and i think that that that's a really interesting question because i think compelling it is compelling yeah that's a great word for it <laughs> uh because who is willing to who is this going to benefit most mm-hmm. you know um looking back at solo he signs up to become what he wants to be a pilot but he ends up being a soldier mm-hmm. because he has no other options you know yeah. this is something a way for him to get where he's going and i think that that's you know in in our world today in the united states which doesn't have a mandatory military service many of the people who go into the service mm-hmm. end up being lower economic people because it's giving them you know, opportunities that they may not otherwise have. Mm-hmm. And so they have to put, literally put their lives at wor- risk, sometimes do terrible things and be involved in, a t- in terrible systems. And, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, and in ways lose, uh, their agency because they're mm-hmm. also kind of becoming a tool in, in some ways, for sure. um, uh, for the opportunities to, to hopefully be, you know, be taken care of in, in some ways. But the even today, if you have a bachelor's, you'll be more likely to get a officer's position. You know, uh, there are like generals who their fathers were generals and their fathers were generals, and they go to the same schools. Like they, there's a mm-hmm. tract to get that way, and so there's yeah. already a class issue there involved. Mm-hmm. I think within our own military, I'm in no way an expert on this. Um, mm-hmm. But from what I have read, this is the way it, ser- it seems yeah. to me. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking about. And so I think that, that yeah, there, there I'm sure is a uh, a difference in in the ability to, to recruit. Um, it's so interesting because for me, class and race in our society are so tied together. For of course. Sure. But in Star Wars, it's hard to differentiate between the two sometimes, too, because Mm -hmm. the Empire brings with it a humanity first look, you know, where they are explicitly racist. And Mm -hmm. so where you don't see that in the same way of another high class, which would be, you know, senators or the Jedi masters Mm -hmm. where there's a variety of alien races represented or even like the republic you know Mm -hmm. the republic would have probably if if kashyyyk is a part of the republic which i believe it is Mm -hmm. um there would be wookie senators who are you know representing kashyyyk in the republic Mm -hmm. senate but under the empire the entire wookie race is enslaved Mm -hmm. you know so there is even no class with distinction within races there Mm -hmm. um because you are a wookiee and you have these skills you are put to work as a tool yeah and so i think that even looking at that you know a toydarian isn't going to be able to become a stormtrooper you know Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to come Mm -hmm. um, it's still a a racial uh thing too so just like you have to within when you talk about race and class and all these things in our society you have to look at the intersections there's also interesting intersections when we look at at star wars too mm-hmm. for sure yeah and a part of me was even wondering are all of the people who are stormtroopers were they recruited or were they required to join because there are so many of them right on mm-hmm. 
all of these different planets, eventually most of the planets, plus on the Death Star, plus on every ship that they have. And so I just wonder, do all of these people actually go in willingly or are some of them forced in and and obviously that would be related to class as well. That's a really good question. I imagine that probably is different per, for different systems. Mm-hmm. Some systems, they're That's what I would think too. forced to do so, but others, it's more volunteer. I know that there's like things about how um, they like started to recruit specifically in order to phase the clones out because mm-hmm. clones were stormtroopers for a while. Um, but... Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think also it's it's shown more, uh, more specifically in with the first order, mm-hmm. in that Finn has to go through conditioning, and mm-hmm. I would imagine that they have a much higher rate of indoctrination and forcing people into that. And it sounds like it might be from birth. You mm-hmm. know, Finn didn't have a name beforehand, so I imagine he's always been FN whatever he was, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, I think that for there, he never really got a choice in the mm-hmm. matter. And once he starts Junction Free Will, they're going to send him to a re-education kind of procedure that clearly also isn't that uncommon. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, obviously, in the prequels, they dealt with, oh, well, this is a clone army mm-hmm. and things like that. But yeah, once you get into past that point um, or before that point... Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, clones themselves bring up a whole another yeah. idea of this. And I, I mean, would that be race or class or both, you know? But these mm. are people who are bred to... I think it, it'd be more race because it's it's a people. Yeah. But they're bred to be a tool, essentially. Mm-hmm. But we see, especially in things like the Clone Wars and Rebels uh, with Rex, we see how they are... Uh, they have a mind of their own. Like You know, they, mm-hmm. are, they are sentient beings um and sapient beings and just because they are also controlled in certain ways that i don't know it's just it's very interesting Mm -hmm. well and the interesting thing is once you become a stormtrooper like that is kind of a class that you enter that you cannot get out of Mm. you can only maybe go up maybe Mm -hmm. but you can't leave Right. Well, I wonder if you can. I wonder if there there are people who were stormtroopers ten years before New Hope who like served a couple tours and are now living outside of that. And I mean, it's possible, but like Finn ran away, right? I, again, I think it's different. <laughs> the last order yeah. or uh, the first order. Um, but I, I wonder with with the stormtroopers, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I have a question for you as well. Okay, what is that? So in episode one, mm-hmm. we find out that. Padme had switched places with one of her handmaidens mm-hmm. in order to kind of see what was going on and, and to be more involved in, in them going into Mos Eisley and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so for you, is that a kind of class tourism? Hmm. I never thought about it that way, but in some ways I... Yeah, in, in some ways, I guess so. Hmm. Like, I think it's interesting, the idea of putting on the persona of a handmaiden mm-hmm. in order to to engage with people. And I, I think that uh, you can even kind of see it in some of her conversations with Anakin, where, mm-hmm. like, 
she had and especially her conversations with the Qui-Gon and, and, and kind of what they're doing where she has a very like you know she still has a hoity like well I don't approve kind of way you know mm-hmm. where she's looking at things and she's looking at um, things in a way that is still very disconnected uh, and I don't think that's I think it's not a bad thing that she was able to come in and 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 see meet people and see things but I mm-hmm. do think I wonder like the idea of her impersonating someone from a different class is, is just interesting to me. It is interesting. It It's weird because on one hand, yeah, she's impersonating someone from a class that she doesn't really know much about. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, she's putting herself at risk for anything that could happen because she's, you know, supposedly from this class, mm-hmm. um, whether it be... She gets captured and is traded as a slave or, you know, all of these different things. But also, it's interesting that you had somebody who was um, of a lower class then bumped up to pretending to or in some ways acting as Mm -hmm. um, royalty, Mm -hmm. which is just very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it can be an easy way for people to have that type of plot point of oh, hey, look, this person's actually the royalty mm. or the, you know, so powerful person, but you didn't know it was, but maybe you suspected because it's a movie trope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I think yeah, not a lot of not a lot of um, thought is probably put into it, as well as I think it's also an easy way to try to put people who do have this power in a supposedly better light. Because it's like, oh, but they care to know more about the life that they didn't grow up in. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you feel like you can relate to them a little more, or maybe you feel like, they, they don't just, like, lord their pa- power over people or, or whatnot. Um, so, but either way, yeah, not a lot of thought is put into, is this right? Is this wrong? Mm. What what uh, implications does this have? So, yeah, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, should I give my missed opportunity first? You go for it. All right. So my missed opportunity is that I think it would have been interesting if they had explored more of the differences between Luke and Leia's upbringings. Mm-hmm. Um, as people who literally come from the same place, who are twins, who ostensibly have the same or similar access to the Force or whatever it might be, you know? Like, if mm-hmm. Leia had been trained, would she be as powerful as Luke? Or more know. powerful? Or more powerful, right? I'm thinking that one. So I think that's very interesting, but... I, I, I wish that I that we could have seen a bit more of, of kind of how that influenced them and how it made them different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that seeing... We, we get so little time knowing that they're siblings in the mm-hmm. movie where they really only have, what, two... One, one conversation about it the whole time and then mm-hmm. they kind of see each other at the very end and she talks to Han a little bit and that's it, you know? Yeah. But I think that having more of a discussion about, like... You know, this this is what life was like for me on the farm. And mm-hmm. then, and her being like, I was a princess. I always had people waiting on me. 
but I was also already fighting a war, you know, mm-hmm. secretly since I was a teenager or a young teenager. And whereas he was, um, you know, just doing things on the farm. So he was living a simpler life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that there would be interesting class dynamics there that, uh, that would be interesting to explore. And then especially if that was explored in a way that relates to how they engage within the rebellion and mm-hmm. what skills they bring to the rebellion and what philosophies and ideas they bring to the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and that's the thing that's kind of interesting is that with Luke, there's not really, like, he wanted to be a pilot, right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't have the opportunity to go to the academy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting to me that it seems like, oh, well, he can fly really well because his dad was a good pilot and he has the force. Mm-hmm. Like, he has no formal training. He shouldn't be as good at this as he is, right? Um, but it's just, oh, well, we'll say in passing that his father was one of the best pilots in the galaxy and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, so we do see that he didn't have the same access to opportunities that he would want to. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted to go, but because he grew up on the farm, like, the uh, Aunt Brew and Uncle Owen, like, they needed him to mm-hmm. help with everything. So so we do see that he has to keep delaying his his dreams, whereas we don't see that at all with, with Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Um so you, yeah, you do see it a little. You see it how they carry themselves, mm-hmm. right, and how they communicate, and how she just like straight up takes initiative, and he's more like following behind. And okay, she said, "Do this, we'll do this." Yeah. Um, whereas, like, obviously, Han is like, "Why are we taking orders from her?" Uh, so you you do see it a little bit, but yeah, I think it would be really interesting if if they had gone into it just even a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> you agree with your own missed opportunity I'm point? I'm with you <laughs> and the things that you added to my missed opportunity point. <laughs> okay. Well, for mine, I'm a little annoyed <gasps> because you already started talking about it. Um, yeah, for quite a while. So my missed opportunity is that Star Wars doesn't really delve into intersections of class and race. Hmm. And... So we see, we see some things, um, yeah, where we're starting to see class or we're starting to see race in, in different parts of like the prequels versus the original versus now these, this, the sequels. And, and I feel like the sequels are starting to get into class more. I think the prequels got a little bit more into race Mm -hmm. more and, um, yeah, with like actually having different pilots and things who were of other, um, who were of alien races rather than just like a human race. Um, so, okay, we're slowly getting a bit better <laughs> in the conversation. But um, to me, the only w- example that I can actually think of that sort of deals with the intersection of class and race, but in a completely non-obvious way is with Chewbacca Hmm. because he starts out, you know, well, we don't know exactly everything that he, everything 
um, from the original, uh, from what he did originally on Kashyyyk, but obviously he was enslaved. Um, and, he's, and he seemed to be in some way like held high up, like he was there with Yoda, you know. Mm-hmm. So I imagine he had some sort of higher level was uh, a position or in something. Some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then was enslaved. Mm-hmm. And then we see that even after once he has, you know, he's he's the co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon that helps destroy the Death Star, mm-hmm. right? And even then, he's the one who does not get a medal. Of course like, he doesn't get a medal. He should get a medal. Like, but no, only the two white men get one, right? <laughs> and so this is the only place, like, I sort of see it a little bit of like, okay, <laughs> this has to do with that you were thought of less because of your race and you also didn't, you know, have the same opportunities you were you know enslaved and then a smuggler and then you know yeah all of that so that's the only place i really see it yeah no i think i mean maybe there's some other like you know ones but you have to search you have to search especially if you're considering the you know the films alone you know i think Mm -hmm. again as we go through expanded universe kind of stuff you'll see more of it but Mm -hmm. um neither of us are that familiar with those even what we have seen so we don't want to touch on it too much but Mm -hmm. I, I definitely agree, and I'm sorry for annoying you. No, it's fine. Just stepping on my toes. Well, sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, what are your what are your final thoughts? Well, I was just talking, so you do yours first. Yeah, my final thoughts right now definitely are kind of focused on this these ideas of intersectionality, mm-hmm. and and the intersections of class and race and. Um, and I think that, that we also, you know, I really hope we get to gender in Star Wars because I mm-hmm. think that's an intersection there as well because, you know, who do we see, you know, look at Shmi, for example, you know, mm-hmm. would, would a male slave have the same story as Shmi had, mm-hmm. you know, as a single parent and one who gets, marries her slave owner, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think that that's also a very interesting way of dealing with it. And then, of course, as a science fiction movie, you know, looking at it, one of our themes that we might get to at some point is personhood, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we look at different species of aliens, uh, is do, should we look at that through race? Should we look at that through personhood? Like, mm-hmm. you know, sentient sapience, like species? Like, what, what lens should we look at that in? Um, I, and I think that that race is interesting because obviously they have they have sentience and sapience and so Mm uh there may be different cultural forms but you know when it comes down to your ability to think and to feel Mm -hmm. that it still remains um but that can be a whole conversation that i'm sure people have written theses about and 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 diatribes that (laughs) uh that I, i we shouldn't go into here but yeah, so my, th- my final thoughts are just kind of echoing your statement about how they, they don't look into the intersections too well. Um, but also, like kind of we talked about last time we, we looked at Star Wars, is seeing in some ways I think the new movies, be they the the, tri- the newest trilogy or the standalones, have a bit more nuance to them. And mm-hmm. they can be a little bit... Um, more fraught with these themes and these issues that you can kind of see a little bit more of that 
which I think is great. It doesn't necessarily make them better movies or more classic or more anything else than the originals, but the originals, I think, in some ways could be uh, a little more simpler. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to see that that nuance coming out. And it may make it a better movie in some ways, right? Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, not necessarily as a whole. I don't know. That's up for debate. Yeah. Um, That's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> We're not a rating podcast. We are a discussing podcast anyways so my final thoughts are actually to take back something that i said (laughs) and that is in solo we did see more of an intersection between race and class Mm. because just like what you were talking about um that planet that did all of the refining Mm. right all of the people there that we saw were black that was very interesting Mm -hmm. and the the outfits they had on kind of had um, something that would remind you a little bit maybe of Africa, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, the West completely exploited Africa mm-hmm. in so many ways, but then also, obviously, brought slaves over mm-hmm. and then were another whole, like... Uh, exploited um workforce Mm -hmm. you know for hundreds of years so and i mean are still are right in in so many ways so yeah i think they actually did still do that yeah um a little bit um again it wasn't it wasn't a big focus but i think it still was prominent which Mm. which is good and and i'm am really glad that they that they did that and yeah because we never were able to hear them speak we don't know would they have an accent would they not have had an accent would they be more um speaking to an african or an african-american um kind of exploitation that happened um through you know centuries ago or you know uh, closer to current day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that's very interesting. And I also wonder, you know, when we look at the movie as a whole and the movie like within our world, is it an, a stereotype or an exotification of those mm-hmm. people that that was no, how they're sure. cast as well? Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that that's an issue that, that came to mind as I was watching for sure. No, I was thinking about that too. I was like, hmm. <laughs> but Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your your thoughts on Star Wars and class. <laughs> Star Wars and dot 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 and dot 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 and ellipses. Class. Class. Um, can you get us what we're doing next week? Yeah. All right. So next week we're going to be talking about Harry Potter. Yes, we are. Ooh, so we are going to do Harry Potter and Pride. Ooh. Okay. Pride within Harry Potter. There's already so many characters that just, I know, just came to mind. just jumping out, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the titular character definitely being one of them. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you very much, Brittany, for manning our Instagram. And, manning? And, yeah, thank you for... I was gendered. For yeah. operating our instagram account and putting on fun cute pictures and such you can also go to our website bit.ly slash geek between the lines or go to our patreon site at patreon.com slash geek between the lines 
uh, and find us on whatever your podcast of choice is. Give us a rating, review, subscribe to us, tell your friends, help us get the word out. It's it's very much appreciated. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. We'll see you next week. Geek, Geek out! out.